Let me start out by saying I'm glad to be a part of the family of God. <laughs> I've loved that song since uh, the early, early years that I was saved. We used to sing that at, at uh, the first church I went to, and I, that song is on. Uh, I used to walk around singing it back then. It, it, it's just a, and then hearing it today, singing it t- t- today, I, I enjoy it. I appreciate Johnny singing that song this morning, and I am glad to be a part of the family of God, and I hope you all are too. Uh, but if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, and today we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. I think this is, and the more I study it, the more I believe this, I think this is the most important chapter in the Bible on prophecy, on the end times. 
here in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, Jesus gives us a rare glimpse of the end of the, of the age or the end of the world or of his second coming. He kind of pulls back the veil and says, here's what's going to happen in the end. So he shows us here, and, and I want you to know, I've read it, I, I read it three or four times a week, and, and I want you to know that it's, the end isn't a pretty picture. It, it, it's not getting, and we need to understand this, things are not getting better and better and better. Things will get worse and worse and worse building up to the end. And it starts with here today, and we're just going to look at one thing, one sign that Jesus gives us here of the great deception of the last days. He shows us here that one of the signs of the end of the age is that deception will get worse and worse and worse. So I want us to look at that today. Let's stand together. We're just going to read. I'll start in verse 1 and we'll read to verse 5. But I want you to see today the great deception of the last days. And I think as we study this passage and as we study the the entire chapter and, and chapter 25, that it's going to help us all to think biblically about the last days. We need to be able to think that way. And, and in order to think that way, when we start thinking biblically, we'll start to live biblically. So let, let's look at this passage today. We'll look at the great deception of the last days. Starting in verse 1, it says, And Jesus went out, and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him, for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And he said upon the Mount of Olives, And the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus begins his answer in verse 4. And he will spend two chapters answering those two questions. And it says in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. We're going to focus our time today on those two verses, verses four, verse 4 and 5. We're going to look at the great deception of the last days. And I want you to hear today the main point of the message, don't be deceived. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for opening up the veil and showing us the, the last days. I've looked forward to preaching this. I'm thankful for my study time in it, for what it's teaching me and how it's forming my thoughts about the world we're living in today and about what's to come. And God, my goal here is to teach our church what your word says about the last days. There's a lot of deception out there. There's a lot of ideas about the end, false ideas, thoughts that people have, beliefs that they have. And God, we, we're not here to correct them. We're here to teach what's right. So help me to do that. Help us all to get a biblical understanding of the last days. And God, help us here today. I think this is a, a, a real application. Help us not to be deceived. I pray it every day. God, don't let me be deceived. And don't let me deceive anyone else. So God, help me to teach that today. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The world is full of lies. And it's full of people that believe those lies. You will never believe, uh, you might, the, the lies that people are falling for in our world today. And I, I just, I, I looked some up this week, and I want to name a few of them, just, just to, it's amazing to me that people believe some of these things. 
Okay, and, and just, just let me run down a list of them. There, and, and I talked to my, my kids about it yesterday, and they were even amazed that some people would believe these things. I tried to convince my, kid that I, my kids that I believe these things yesterday, and they were saying there's no way anybody would believe this, but there are people that believe these things. Here's just a few of them. I, I just want to, I think I've got a list of five or six. There's, there's people out there that believe that the moon landing was fake, and maybe some of you are sitting here saying it was. There's people out there that believe the earth is flat and that it doesn't spin. There's people out there that believe that the Titanic didn't actually sink. No matter how much evidence you give them and show them video footage of, of at the bottom of the ocean and, and showing the Titanic and bringing up artifacts from it, there's people on the internet that say, no, 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 the Titanic didn't really sink. It's all a hoax. There's some people believe that Bigfoot is real. <laughs> I've seen him, right? I've had my picture taken with him at a restaurant in Norton or at the top of High Knob. There are some people believe that Elvis is still alive. Nobody here, I guess. <laughs> and there's others. I, I can name several of them. There's some people believe that Prince Charles is actually a vampire. I, there's all kinds of these things that you can look up, and people actually believe it, and they'll write about it, and they'll comment on, on, uh, on posts about it, and write blogs about it. And there's books about these things, and all these silly things that people believe, that you read it and you say, I can't believe that somebody with a mind would actually believe some of these things. And these are silly things, and to be wrong about these things, really, it doesn't matter much. You'll get made fun of, you'll get laughed at, no big deal. But that's not the deception, that's not the lies that Jesus is talking about here, because there's a, a much more serious deception. Again, to be wrong about these things, to be deceived about whether Bigfoot exists or not, or to be wrong about whether the Titanic actually sunk, or, or uh, uh, all kinds of other things, isn't going to matter much on the bigger scale of things. But Jesus isn't talking here about a deception about these tiny little silly little things you can be wrong about those things and it doesn't really matter what Jesus is talking about is to be deceived or to be wrong on spiritual things things that really matter to be wrong about who God is and there's a lot of people out there who have no idea they think they know who God is but they are are terribly deceived about it to be wrong about eternity to be wrong about salvation there's a lot of people, and there could be people in churches all across this world today who think they're saved and they're actually not. Matthew 7 says that there will be a time when people say, I've done all kinds of things for you, Jesus. I prophesied in your name, and I've done all kinds of many great works, and he'll look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Maybe the scariest thing in the whole world would be in the last day when it's too late and you're standing before God and you thought you were right, but you were deceived the entire time. It's scary. It's dangerous. You don't want to be wrong on that. I believe there's no greater danger in all the world. I believe there's nothing scarier in all the world than spiritual deception. To be wrong about God, to be wrong about eternity, to be wrong about your own salvation is as scary as it gets. And Jesus says here in Matthew 24 that in the last days there will be not a, a little bit of deception in the world. There will be a massive worldwide deception where everybody will be duped. Everybody will have the, the wool pulled over their eyes. And it is scary. I almost titled this sermon today, the scariest thing in the world is, is to be spiritually deceived. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. This is scary. This is where the world is building to and what the world will become. We're living in an age that's terribly deceived. And it's only going to get worse. 
So Jesus here again, I want to give you a little context before we jump into it. Jesus is at the top of the Mount of Olives. I think this is an amazing scene that he's sitting down on this mountain with this, with this view of, of Jerusalem and the view of, of the temple and the, the sun is going down and, and the disciples walk up to Jesus and he sits down and they get to have a conversation with Jesus about the end of the age. Can you imagine sitting there with Jesus and having that conversation? That you're sitting there and Jesus is telling you these things and, and, and everything that He said is not in this chapter. So there's so much more there that, that we don't even have. But what we do have is exactly what we need. So He sits down with them. And they, and they walk up to Him and they ask this question. And I think these two questions that they ask here in verse 3 are the, the questions that we need to ask. When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign? And, and that's, that's the question we're asking. What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? How will we know? Here's the question. How will we know when the end is near, when it gets close, as, as we're building up to it? They thought it could be at any time. They thought in the next hour, maybe in the next day, or the next few days, or the next week. And they're saying, give us a sign. Show us how we will know when the end is near. And in verse 4, Jesus answers. And he begins to give six signs that will build up to, to verse 14. That will build up to his coming. And what to watch for. And none of them are good. I mean, you, you just look at some of them. Verse 6, wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Verse 9, they'll deliver you up to be afflicted and they'll kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Many shall be offended and, and betray each other and hate each other. He says sin will abound, verse 12. The love of many will wax cold. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Some bad things is going to happen in the end. There's some bad things that are on the way. It's an evil day. It'll be a time of, of trouble or, or tribulation. And Jesus is preparing them and, and He's preparing us. And He's saying here, all these are little signs that He's saying, here's what you need to look for. Here's how you know it's getting close. And today He gives us the first one. And that's, I'm just going to look at one today. Again, I think it's the most dangerous. I think it's the scariest. I think it's the worst. It's deception. Nobody talks about this one. I hear all these other things. You'll have an earthquake that'll take place, and everybody says, oh, the end's coming. You'll hear wars that say, oh, the end's coming. But you'll see somebody spiritually deceived, and nobody ever says a word about it. So Jesus mentions it in verse 4. He says, no man deceive you. Verse 5 will deceive many. He says it again in verse 11. Many prophets shall rise and deceive many. He says in verse 24 that there should be false Christs and false prophets and show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive even the very elect. So Jesus mentions it here four times in the first 24 verses. He wants all of us to be warned and to be prepared for the coming deception. So let's look at it. I want to show you this great deception of the last days. And I've broken these two verses down and into three points. And, and we're going to just work our way through it. And I want to show you and prepare you. That's, that's the whole point. Prepare you for the deception of the last days. Number one, I want to show you Jesus' prediction of deception. These, these two verses are a prediction of worldwide great deception of the last days. And he says there in verse 4, Let, Take heed that no man deceive you. Don't let, don't, don't let anybody lie to you. Don't let anybody mislead you. And that, that's what the word means. And I, I just want to, to focus in on or, or to zoom in on that word deceive. 
That's the key word here. Again, he said it in, in verse 4, verse 5, verse 11, and in verse 24. Deception. What does the word deception mean? What, what does it mean to be, to be deceived? Don't let anyone lead you astray. Don't let anyone give you wrong directions. We don't have to stop for directions anymore. We, we, got, we got maps on our phone that tells us exactly where to go. But I remember in the old days, you had to get a Rand McNally map. And, and you had to, to, my dad did it, not me. And I'd watch him try to figure things out. And then him and mom would go back and forth. And mom would say, why don't you just ask for directions? <laughs> you stop and ask for directions and somebody sends you one way. And you didn't know if that was the right way or not. You just had to, to trust them and you, and you would go. And they, they may send you in the, the, the complete wrong direction. That's what it's saying here. No, don't be deceived. Don't be told to go in the wrong direction. Don't be told the wrong things. Don't be sitting down the, the wrong path. Don't be told wrong. Don't, don't believe a lie. I've got all these things. Don't be fooled. Don't be tricked. Don't be conned. Don't be misinformed. Don't be lied to. Don't be hoodwinked. That's a good one. Don't let anybody pull the wool over your eyes. Don't be lied to. Don't believe everything you hear and everything you're told. That's what he's saying here. And it's common. I mean, the deception is common. Satan is the great deceiver. And I, I believe that it, the Bible says he's a liar, a master deceiver, that he, he deceives and that lies are his major weapon that he uses. Think about it. Satan used it on one third of the angels. How did he get them out of heaven? Lied to them. I don't think he went to them and said, hey guys, Let's, uh, let's uh, uh, rebel against God. And I think it, it'll go bad for you. You'll end up in hell. <laughs> let's do it. All right. Right? I mean, that's not how no angel like, yeah, sounds great to us. He deceived him. He lied to him. I think when he slithered up to Eve, he didn't look at her and say, eat of that fruit. And you'll, go, you'll fall into sin. You'll be separated from God. You'll, you'll, you'll take you and Adam. will take the, the entire world for the rest of all time into, into, into a fallen nature. Take of this fruit. It's, it's, it's awful. He deceived her. He lied to her. I believe Satan used it on Judas. I don't, I don't think Judas... Judas wasn't told the truth about what was going to happen. He was lied to. And you watch, watch it down throughout history in the Old Testament, full of false prophets and, and lies. Every page of, of church history is, is lies. And Satan is using it now. Satan is deceiving people in the world right now. He's lying to people right now. And we need to hear this because he may be lying or deceiving you sitting in the pew. There are people in churches that believe the wrong things. They're being lied to. They're being duped. They're being conned. There are preachers who stand up and mislead people all the time. He's saying, make sure you that's not you. Odds are you know somebody that's been deceived. Odds are there's somebody in here that's being deceived. You say, well, if all this deception is going on all the time, then how is this a sign of the end? If it's been going on since before creation, or immediately after, after with Eve, and it's been going on throughout the Old Testament, and in the New Testament with Judas, and, and false prophets all throughout the, the New Testament, and then throughout church history, every page that you turn, every generation, there's, there's, there's deception, and, and, and now there's deception everywhere. All you gotta do is click on the TV. I watched the two TV preachers this morning. Two of them. I turned it on there. Steph walks by, I'm like, what are you doing? I'm watching <laughs> deceivers. 
I looked for a good one this morning, couldn't find it. Every one of them, deception, deception, deception. You can scroll through Facebook and every, every church is now doing Facebook Live and, and here you are and you, you scroll through and, and it's deception, deception, deception. Odds are you know somebody that is deceived or is being deceived. So how is this a sign of the end? Watch this. This is important for the entire chapter. The key here is verse 8. Move down there with me. Because he says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. You see, you see that? You know, this is all the beginning of sorrows. It, it, in the end, what he's saying here is this is just the beginning. It, it's just getting started. It will multiply. So it'll, it'll start out. This, the word here is birth pains. It's, it's like a, a, some, a, a lady or I've been through several births. Five kids, I know what it's like. <laughs> and, you, and that's what this word is, the beginning of sorrows. It's birth pains. And you go in, and, and, and we always take a before picture. <laughs> Every time we, we went in, all five kids, I'll say, Steph, before we get started, let's take a picture. And we take a selfie, and I've got a smile, and she's got a smile, and everything's just, just so great. And then they lay her in the bed, and it, it, it just, you know, the, it, it starts not so bad. You know, just a little mild and infrequent, and we're still sitting there joking and watching TV and having a good time. And then it really starts to ramp up. And it starts to, to, to escalate, and it starts to get worse, and her, her contractions start to get really painful, and, and then they start to be really close together. And, and by the time you get to the end, all hell's breaking loose. <laughs> and the picture you take then is not a pretty one. <laughs> it's not. I say, Steph, let's take it. You know, she's no. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what he's using here. And I want you to understand what, what this is. 1 Thessalonians 5, 3 says, as, as travail upon a woman with child. So these things are going to happen like labor. The deception is, is in our world and, and, and even throughout history, is it's been here and it's been there and it's been infrequent and it's been kind of mild and it's not been terrible as you turn the pages of history and, and, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse until you get to the end times and it's going to be worldwide deception where all hell breaks loose. And that's all of these signs that he says. When you hear wars and rumors of wars, it's going to start very, very simply in a war here and a, and a war there and a war here and a war there. But as you build to the end, it's going to escalate and, and it's going to multiply to where the whole world is at war. So this is what the deception is. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and build and build and build and escalate and escalate until you get to the end right before the second coming. The whole world will be deceived. That's what he's saying here. That each one of these things are going to get worse and worse gradually and build to the end. They'll heighten and they'll intensify. And it'll get worse until it becomes a widespread deception all over the world. Second Timothy 3 says this, I want you to pay attention. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So how many? Watch what it says. Let's get back to the passage. Verse 5, 4, how many will come in my name? Not just a few, but many. It's going to get worse. This will be a great number. Second John 1.7 says, For many deceivers are entered into the world. Many. So it's going to be a great number in verse 4. And then you get down to verse 11, and it says the same thing. And many false prophets shall rise. So it's, it's building and building and building. And then you go all the way down to verse 24, and it's become even worse. For there shall arise false Christs, plural, and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders 
And it'll be so bad and so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until you get to the end. And this worldwide deception will lead to the worldwide deceiver, the, the Antichrist. That he will come into the world, this man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, and he will lead the world into deception. Let me, tell, let me read you a passage about him. I want to introduce you to the Antichrist. We'll talk more about him. But it says in Daniel 8, in the latter period of their rule, when transgressors have run their course, when sin has reached its peak, watch what happens. A king will rise, insolent and skilled in intrigue. His power will be mighty, but not his own power. And he will destroy to a wonderful degree and, and, and prosper and perform his will. He will destroy mighty men and holy people, and through his policy, he will cause deceit to succeed by his influence. And he will destroy many who are at ease. Which means he's going to deceive the world. And his power is coming from Satan himself, the, the deceiver. Do you see how it escalates? Verse 4, many. And verse 11 is going to keep on escalating into many. Verse 24, all kinds of false crosses and false prophets. And it just escalates and escalates until it builds to the Antichrist. Revelation 6.1, showing up on a, on a white horse, acting like he's the Christ. And the whole world will be deceived. That's what he's talking about. They'll be duped. And you say, well, how do we apply this? This will be an age of great confusion and uncertainty. It'll be hard. People will be asking, who do we believe? Who can we believe? Josh, who can, who can I watch on TV? Who can I watch on, on Facebook as, as, as I'm seeing all kinds of church services going on? How, how, how do I know what to believe? What's right? What's wrong? What's good? What's bad? What, what's, what's holy? and What's evil? How will I know? The world will be asking that question. We don't know. A world of confusion. And I believe it's getting worse today where everywhere we turn there's more false than there is true. You say, Josh, where are we on this? Well, we're closer to the end than we ever have been. And the deception, you see it, I see it. And it's a sign that he's showing us that as it gets worse and worse and worse, we're getting closer and closer and closer. So we need to be, main point, make sure we're not fooled. Make sure we're not deceived. This is repeated over and over and over in the Bible. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't be duped. But watch this. Point number two. I just showed you the prediction that Jesus gives of, of deception. Now I want to show you the popularity of deception. Because there will be a massive, massive falling for it. You say, it'll never happen to me. Watch what it says. Many shall be deceived. Many shall be. You say, how in the world will he deceive that many people? Watch this. First of all, it says the message he preaches. The message that is preached. It says, Jesus again answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name. You see that? Many shall come in my name. And they'll be saying, I am the Christ. That's the message they preach. They're going to come in the name of Christ. We, we hear this and think it'll be actually saying they're Christ. And there's some of those that exist. Some people out there who will stand up and they're, they're crazy and they're, they're weird. And, and you look at them and say, there's no way that guy's the Christ. I'll never fall for that guy. The, you, you know, just the, these cult types and, and they have their little compounds that they go to and, and they got about five people that follow them. I'll never fall for that. Or you think it could be a guy in a red suit. 
shoot with a, a pitchfork and, and, and when, I'm not going to fall for that. It's not going to be like that. I think it's going to be more like an angel of light. People who come in my name, it says. People who say they're representatives of Christ. That's what that is. People who walk up to you on behalf of Christ. And they'll carry a Bible. Now, you need to pay attention to this. This is what their message will be. They're going to come in his name and they're going to say, I'm from Christ. They're going to come in his name and they're going to carry a Bible with them. They're going to knock on your door and they're going to have a Bible underneath their arm. They're going to stand up in a pulpit somewhere and they're going to have a Bible on the pulpit and say that they preach the Bible. I know a preacher who's the greatest deception and deceiver in all the world now. And when he gets up to preach, the first thing he says is, this is my Bible. And he lays it down. And that's the last time you hear from it. They have a, a verse that they, they may use. And then they'll tell you they heard a voice. They'll talk about Christ. They'll call themselves Christians. They'll use Christian language. And it'll be as smooth as anything you'll ever heard. But they won't be preaching the real Christ. They might even perform signs, it says in verse 24. You see that? They'll rise false Christ and false prophets and they'll show great signs and wonders. They'll give you experiences and emotions that you've never had before. Are you with me on this? This is not something that's, again, a, a, a devil in a pitchfork that you're going to know for sure. This is not some crazy guy in a compound somewhere asking you to drink Kool-Aid. This is somebody who comes in smooth and, and nice and, and loving and, and kind and has a Bible and calls himself a Christian and there, there may be even a cross on the, on the, on the steeple of the church and everything may sound great and it may sound smooth and they, they come as an angel of life. You wonder how they'll deceive the whole world. They're coming acting like they're Christians. They come in like a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing. It's never easy. You understand that. They'll be nice. They'll be loving. They'll pray on the weak. <laughs> you say, who's the weak? The unsuspecting. People who aren't prepared for it. It's one of the reasons I'm preaching this passage to you today is I want you to be prepared for what's coming. They'll pray on the untaught. People today in churches are being entertained to death. And when, the, when, when this deception comes and all they've ever known in church is entertainment, they'll have no idea and they'll fall for it like that. Only the people who's been taught will be able to stand in the evil day. They're undiscerning, and they'll pull many away. This is what happens when you mix an age of deceivers with an age of ignorance, a great falling away. The church in America today isn't teaching anything. You rarely see somebody just open their Bible and teach through it, preparing people for the evil day. Everybody wants an emotion, everybody wants a feeling, everybody wants a song, everybody wants a drama, everybody wants lights, everybody wants smoke. None of that stuff will get you through the evil day. So you mix an age of deceivers with an age of ignorance, and you're going to have a massive falling away. And it says here, how many is going to go with them? Look, and shall deceive many. Many is going to come. And many will be deceived. There's going to be a great falling away. This won't be a handful. There will be a great amount. People will line up and fill up false churches left and right. True churches will be empty. They'll eat it up like Eve ate the fruit. And it won't be 
you know, dragging them. They'll love every second of it. Some will fall for it. Some will follow the crowd, the pressure. But verse 5 says many will be deceived. Verse 11 says shall deceive many. Verse 24, again, I keep going back there, but it says, and it, it, they'll, they'll be so deceiving that if it were possible, they'd even deceive the, the elect, the saved. That's how manipulative and persuasive and, and enticing it'll be. There'll be such an allure to the, to the false. They'll act powerfully on, on people's minds and the gullible will follow it blindly. And we'll probably make fun of the ones who don't. It's scary. Many in the last days will be misled. And this misled isn't just to the wrong church. This misled is into hell. Into eternal damnation. There's many people who are being deceived even today. And what hurts me worse is when I watch them take their kids right along with them. Uh, unbelievable. It's so scary. To me, this is a reality that's all around us today. Deception is at an all-time high. Confusion is at an all-time high. People today will believe anything and fall for everything. Just get on social media. I'm amazed at the people who watch certain people, preachers, churches, believe certain things. I have conversations with people on a daily basis. I'm amazed at how deceived people are. Amazed by it. I compare it to Little Red Riding Hood. Y'all remember that story? Me and Steph had a conversation about it yesterday. We fought all the way to town. I remember Little Red Riding Hood different than she remembered Little Red Riding Hood. The way I remembered it was Little Red Riding Hood. And she's walking through the woods. And over there, and she's carrying some, I think she's carrying muffins with her. Me and Steph argued about that. I'm pretty sure it's blueberry muffins. Steph said it may have been a bag of candy. I don't know what it was, but she's on her way to her grandma, grandmother's house and this wolf is standing over here on the side and he, and he sees her and he wants the muffins. Steph says there's a conversation that goes on there. I don't remember a conversation. And he wants the muffins and she says no to the muffins and, and, and the wolf says, okay then, I'll get you. So she keeps on hopping through the woods and he takes a shortcut, gets to grandmother's house and get this, this is a kid's story, eats the grandmother. Rod said, no, he put the grandmother in a closet and tied her up. That's not the one I remember. He ate the grandmother. And then he gets in the grandmother's bed and puts the grandmother's clothes on. There's a little bonnet on his head and a gown. And he's got the, the covers up, uh, up, uh, up on his belly. And Little Red Riding Hood comes walking in. And she is, I don't want to say it now. I guess I can. How dumb can she be? And again, I want to apply this. I see people that are eating this stuff up and, and, and being deceived. How dumb can they be? Yeah. And she walks up. Hey, Grandma. <laughs> and I wish I could get somebody to put the picture on the screens. Grandma's sitting there. It don't look like Grandma. She says, oh, what big ears you have. <laughs> Better to hear you with. Oh, what big eyes you have better to see you with oh what big teeth you have better to eat you with and the wolf doesn't eat the muffins he eats little red riding hood that's how i remember it says no little red riding hood got away but the the moral of the story is 
How in the world did she fall for that? And I look at people today in churches and I wonder, how in the world are they falling for that stuff? They sit and listen to wolves preach to them. And they sit and eat it up. They sit and say, oh, oh that's okay. I heard somebody say, uh, Chuck Colson told a story the other day of, his, of a family, he told a story many years ago of a family that he knew, close friends who were going to a Unitarian church. And he found out about it and he said, what are you guys doing going to the Unitarian church? They don't believe anything that's right. Really, the Unitarians don't believe anything at all. Isn't anything goes? And he said, how can you go there? They don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in the way of salvation. They're, they're wrong on almost everything. And his friend looked at him and said, but we feel so good when we go there. How dumb can you be? And people are falling for stuff left and right. Going to this place and going to that place and listening to this guy and listening to this girl. <laughs> Just all over. And they're being deceived and they're, de they're taking their children into these places with them. And, and, and it's, we're living in an all-time high of deception. It, it is everywhere. And nobody's even looking for it. It's like those conspiracy theories that I just named. Well, all right, if you say so, Titanic didn't stink. I'll believe it too. Little Red Riding Hood Christianity. Falling for anything and everything that they hear. And testing nothing. And you say, I'm not Little Red Riding Hood. Well, there's a real possibility that among the many, you might be one. So you say, what can we do? What can we do? That, that's, that's the question I want to get to here today and, and close here because I, I want to protect you from deception. I want to protect you from deception. If this is how it's going to go, and we see the prediction, it's going to happen. There will be a, a worldwide deception that gets worse and worse and worse. And it's going to be a, a, the, the popularity of it that, that many are going to be deceived and, and fall for. It. They're going to be lining up in churches for it. They're going to be standing up and, and giving their money and their time and their, their service and, and sending the kids down to, to hear this junk. How can I protect myself and my family and our church from this, this deception? So I want to protect you from it. You guys should be saying, okay, I'm on the edge of my seat. Tell me how. Because Jesus says here two words. Two words that will protect us from deception. And we'll close. It'll probably take me 30 minutes, but we'll close. In verse 4 he says, and Jesus answered unto them, and I didn't preach these two words when we started, take heed. <laughs> And you should probably, I haven't done it yet, but you should probably take your pen out or a highlighter and underline, take heed. This is all over Scripture. I just followed it. How many times does he say, take heed or beware? He says it everywhere. You say, what does this mean? It means pay attention. It means open your eyes. There's so many people, that's, they're duped. Wolves pull over their eyes. That they're just not paying attention. They're not, not awake. That's what it means to watch out for. To be on guard. To know what Satan is up to. The Bible says that we need to be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is, is like a roaring lion. And, and he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's in the world and he's deceiving people today. He's walking around the world and, and deceiving people. He's in churches deceiving people. And he might be after you. 
You better be on guard for yourself. You better be on guard for your wife. You better be on guard for your children. Pastors better be on guard for their churches. Deception is coming. Know what he's up to. He's sneaky. He's behind the scenes. You've got to be careful. I told a group of young college kids this week, you've got to see with spiritual eyes. You've got to have discernment. You can't let your guard down. You've got to be real careful what your kids are getting taught. You've got to be real careful what your kids are, are watching on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or, or even Disney today. You've got to see what Satan's up to. He's deceiving our kids. You've got to be careful. You've got to be discerning. I do that with my kids. They'll say, well, I want to watch this, Dad. I'll say, I'll watch it first. You've got to be discerning. And when a pastor stands up to preach, or one on Facebook, or one on the internet, or one where you go to, don't go anywhere but here. <laughs> Even me, open your Bible and follow along with me. And if I don't match what this says, I'm a liar and a deceiver and I need to sit down. We've got to, we've got to pay attention. We've got to have our eyes open. We can't be caught asleep in the end times. 1 John 4 says this, Beloved, believe not every spirit. <laughs> Don't believe everybody. But try the spirits, whether they are of God. Yeah. Test them and see if they're of God. Prove them and see if it's really of God. And here's the word I would use, discern. That means when you hear something, you've got to think about it and say, and you've got to separate these things. That's what it means to discern, to separate. That this is true because there's some things that are true and there's some things that are false and I'm going to have to discern which is which. You're going to have to discriminate between the true and the false. You're going to have to be judgmental and say that's not true and that is. I get myself in trouble today for calling people false teachers. Just trying to warn you so people won't be deceived and fall off into hell. So how do we do that? Do that. Let me spend just about 10 minutes and I'll, I'll, I'll be done on how to defend ourselves or how to be discerning. You can write these things down. Number one, I'd say be serious about it. This isn't funny. This isn't fun in games. The world is, is being deceived. And we go along with our lives like nothing's going on. We have family members that are being deceived and we go along with it like it's no big deal. We have friends that are being deceived and we go along with it like it's no, no big deal. We have people all around us. Children that are being deceived and we just let it go and act like it's no big deal. And, and, but this is serious. First John 2 says, call it the last hour. And if it was the last hour for John, then we're in the last seconds now. The clock is running out and, and people are being deceived. So it's time for the church to take this serious again. So be serious about it. Second, I would say be strong. If they are going to go after, if Satan is going to go after, if the deceivers are going to go after the weak, then what must we be? Have I lost you already? If they go after the weak, then what must we be? The strong. Our kids must be strong. Our families must be strong. Our churches must be strong. So now, more than ever, it's time for us to learn the Bible. The more we know about the Bible, the less likely we are to be deceived. So we need to learn the Bible. We need more Bible in our churches and not less Bible in our churches. We need more Bible in our homes and less Netflix in our homes. 
We need more Bible in our personal time and less Facebook in our personal time. We need to know the Bible. Our kids need it. We need to study it at home. We need to listen to it at church. Steve Lawson said that now isn't the time for sermonettes from Christianettes. We need the Bible. That's what we need. My kids need to learn. They're going to grow up and they're going to go off to college. And there's going to be professors there who will deceive them and tell them all kinds of lies. And they need to have a good knowledge and a good understanding of the Bible. Or they will fall for whatever they're told in college. And I'll tell you right now, this, is, this might get me in trouble, might make some people mad, but the children's ministries that are in most churches today are not cutting it. My kids aren't going to make it on Kool-Aid and animal crackers. They're going to need the milk and the meat of the Word of God. So we teach it from the time they're born until the time they leave so that they'll have a good foundation to stand on when they get out into the world. They need to learn it. They need to know it. He said, Josh, you preach for an hour every Sunday. You need more than an hour. I just can't sweat that long. I've got to stop in an hour. (laughs) We need it. Now's the time to learn the Bible. Now's the time. That's how you're strong. Know the Bible. No theology. No no doctrine. Know the deep things. The deeper it is, the deeper it's driven into the into our foundation, and the less likely we we are to be knocked down. Drive it deep down. Know some truth. Let me give you another one. Now's the time to be in church. (laughs) You say this is it is. I, I can't believe how we're how people today are. Leaving the church. Following the crowd. Doing what everybody else is doing. That, that's, for me, I, nonsense. In, in, in this time, it's going to be hard when you're standing for the truth. And it looks like you're the only one that's doing it. You're going to be hated. You're going to, it says that. I mean, you, have you seen that? I, I, the, it says in verse... None, they'll deliver you up to be afflicted. They'll kill you. They'll be hate, you'll be hated of all nations for his namesake. Many will be offended and betray one another and they'll hate one another. I mean, it's going to get bad. And you don't want to be left alone in the middle of all that. I was watching a video earlier this week. I thought it was awesome. I was in my office. I found it on Twitter. And I was cheering. I was here by myself. I'm glad nobody walked in on me. But there was this, this lone female lion in the middle of the jungle. I don't know what she was doing, but she's all by herself. And these hyenas, I don't know if you guys have ever seen hyenas. One or two hyenas couldn't get that lion. But there was all kinds of lion or hyenas that come upon, I mean, I'm talking 20 or 30 hyenas came upon that one female lion. And they took her down. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh no! And you can hear the hyenas. I'm not going to try to make the noise that they were making. I almost, almost last night I was practicing. I said, I can't get it, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Steph might have heard me at 1 o'clock in the morning. I was doing a hyena noise. But all of them was doing it together. And that, that poor female lion was, was rolled over on her back. And they were all just on top of her where you couldn't even see the, the female lion anymore. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, no, oh, no. I think he even said that in my office, oh, no. And then out of nowhere, a pack of lions showed up. I said, oh yeah, oh yeah. Now, hyena. And I bet you there was five or six lines. And the one with the big mane showed up. 
<laughs> and those hyenas run off, their tails tucked between their legs. I don't even know if they have tails. But they ran off. And I was cheering, yeah, now, hyena. And I thought, that's exactly how the church works. By yourself, you're in so much danger. All by yourself, the world will attack you and deceive you and eat you, eat you up. But when you get a group of people together, even if it's just a handful, and we start encouraging each other, helping each other, and teaching each other. That world out there can be deceived, but in here we know the truth and we stand for the truth. You'll need this more in the evil day than you'll ever need it. You'll need a preacher to stand up and tell you the truth. You'll need each other. We need each other. The world's full of hyenas, and we're in here a bunch of lions. We'll need this if you don't want to be deceived. A good church will keep you from being deceived. You know what a good church will do? They'll see you start to fade off and listen to some nonsense. Be a little red riding hood and be duped. And they'll pull you back and say, don't listen to that. A good pastor will do that. A good church will do that. You're going down the wrong way. You're being misled. You're being duped. The, the wool's over your eyes. Don't do that. Your kid's going wrong. It's going, you know, no, no, no. A good church will warn you of deception. So now's the time to learn the Bible. It'll make you strong. Now's the time to be in church. We're stronger together. Now's the time to pray. I think it's Mark 13. It says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Watch and pray. Pay attention and pray. I told you I've, been, I've prayed that prayer since I've become a pastor. God, don't let me be deceived and don't let me deceive anyone else. Please, God. I don't want to be deceived. So I said, be serious, be strong. And the last one, as simple as it gets, be saved. The only foolproof way that you can protect yourself from deception is to be truly saved. I want to show you two verses just to show you that God protects his own. Look at with me in verse 22. It says, except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh to be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. That God limits or shortens how bad things get in those days just for his people. And then in verse 24, it says, God protects his elect. For there shall, it says, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it, were, if it were possible, I love that, which means it's impossible that they shall deceive the very elect, that God will protect his people. God will protect his elect. God will protect his chosen. God takes care of his own. So again, the only true protection we have from deception is true salvation. That you may stray a little bit, but a truly saved person will never fall into deception. So how are you to be saved? And I'm just going to spend, a, I said 10 minutes on the last one, I'm going to spend 5 minutes on this. Let me tell you what false teachers won't tell you. And I tell you this every, every Sunday. You guys should know this. Let me, so let me tell you some, some, some things that false teachers won't tell you. That there, number one, that there is a God. 
It's one God in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be false teachers that will tell you complete opposite of that. There's all kinds of cults, all kinds of false teachers that will tell you something different about who God is. God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. False teachers won't tell you that. And then, and then I'll tell you that, that there is a divine law. That there is a right and a wrong. False teachers don't like to tell you that either. That there, God gave us, this one God gave us, this one God in three persons gave us the, the divine law, the Ten Commandments, and said, here's what you shouldn't do and here's what you, what you cannot do. Don't do that. And here's what you should do. There's right and there's wrong. And we've all sinned and broken God's law. Every last one of us, and we all deserve hell. That's what some false teachers and most false teachers won't tell you, is that we're all sinners and we all deserve hell. I'm here to tell you that. It may not be a popular message to tell people, but every single one of us have offended God, have sinned against God, and every single one of us, because of that, deserves to go to hell. That's the truth. And there is a Savior. Let's get that right. He's the Son of God and He's the Son of Man. Truly God, truly man. Entirely God, entirely man. And there's a lot of false teachers that get that dead wrong. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. They couldn't find a single fault that He'd ever done. And there's a bloody cross. (laughs) A lot of false teachers ain't going to mention a bloody cross. You can go to a church and never hear about a blood atonement where Jesus went to the cross and died on my behalf. Not for the sins he committed, but for the sins I committed. There's a bloody cross. And there's only one way. And you must personally put your faith in Jesus in order to be saved. There's a lot of false teachers that will tell you it's the church or it's the baptism. And like Johnny said in Sunday school this morning, I love baptism, but baptism doesn't save you. They'll tell you you've got to do this, you've got to do that, all kinds of other ways of salvation, but there's only one, putting your personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of false teachers won't tell you that. A lot of false teachers won't tell you that after you're saved, there's a huge change in your life. I have to say that. A lot of false teachers will tell you that, that, that you, can, you can make a profession of faith and go on and live like hell and, and, and end and go to heaven. That's a lie straight from the devil himself. Don't be deceived here. I'm, I'm going to read you a passage. And, and I have to do this. 1 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, know, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Does that sound familiar? Be not deceived. Don't be duped on this. Don't be misled. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived about that. There's a lot of people deceived on that. That they can live like this, like hell, and still go to heaven. Don't be deceived. And once you put your faith in Christ, old things are passed away and all things have become new. A lot of false teachers won't preach that. We've preached that over and over and over here because there's way too much of this put your faith in Christ. It's easy believism and nothing ever changes. They've taken the new birth and the miracle out of salvation. But it says here, and such were some of you. I love that. You used to be like that, but you're not like that no more. There's a change that takes place. 
Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Don't be deceived, there's a change at salvation. Last one. There is a final judgment. Galatians says this, be not deceived. I had a list of about 24 be not deceived and, and I don't have time to do them. Galatians 6, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There's a lot of false teachers that will tell you that God ain't going to judge you. But you better believe whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. God will not be mocked. The world full of deception. And they think they can just go on with it. God will not be mocked. Don't be deceived. I'll give you one more. I missed this one. Don't be deceived, there isn't much time. How many people have been deceived by the lie that it can wait when it can't? Put it off, put it off, put it off. I'll wait till here, I'll wait till there. Many have died with the deception of, I'll do it later. Matthew 7, 22, and I'll close. I started with it, I'll end with it. Again, this is a passage. I, I don't know if you guys know this. But Matthew 7, 1 says, Judge not lest you be judged. <laughs> that is the most famous verse in all the Bible today. It used to be John three sixteen, and now if you Google it, it's Matthew 7, 1. Judge not lest you be judged. And nobody ever thinks to read past the, the first verse. Because if you go on, the whole passage teaches us now how to judge and how to discern and how to uh, discriminate. And, and then you go down through here and, and again it says there's one way in verse 13. Enter into the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go thereat. You see that? Many are taking the broad way. Many are being led in the wrong direction. Verse 15, beware of false prophets. You see that? Take heed. The same word. Take heed. False prophets are coming which will come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they're, they're ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. You see that? Judge them by their fruits. Do they gather grapes or thorns or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, and, and a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. We're supposed to judge them by their fruit. I thought it said, don't judge anybody. <laughs> and then he says, judge by their fruit. This is one of those hard-to-hear sermons, I know. Verse 18, a good tree can't bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is, is cut down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. And then the, the verse I want to read, and, and I'll close. Not everybody that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Look at this word in verse 22. I don't know if you're there with me or not, but I've got it circled. Many will say unto me in that day. That's, that's the word we've been using. Back to verse 14. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth into life. And few there be that find it. Verse 13. Many that goes the way of destruction. Same word. Many. So verse 22. Many. Many. That's a lot. That's more than a handful. That's multitudes upon multitudes of people. Will say unto me in that day. Lord, Lord. 
Have I not, have we not prophesied in your name? And, and in thy name cast out devils. And, and in thy name done many wonderful works. This guy thinks he's saved. He thinks he's right. He thinks he's going to heaven, as most people do. But the response is, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You evildoers, you lawbreakers. They spent their whole life thinking they were right with God and then they get to eternity and they're dead wrong. Scariest thing in the world. Don't be deceived. Please don't be deceived. If there is any doubt whatsoever, you sitting there in your pew, about where you stand with God, you need to make that right today. Please, from the youngest to the oldest, if there's any doubt, don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Don't be misled. Don't be wrong on this. You can be wrong on Bigfoot. You can be wrong on the Titanic. You can be wrong on Elvis. You can be wrong on all these silly other things that are out there. It's okay to be wrong on that. That that has no no, no, uh, consequence to, to your eternity. But don't be wrong on salvation. Let me read you this quote I heard this week, and I'll close. Eternity, and you can write this down, and I would, I would, I would post this on, on, on social media. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Turn to Christ and live. I want to say it again. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Turn to Christ and live. Don't be deceived. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time of your word today. And I know we just covered a couple verses I think these are very important verses. I just couldn't get away from them this week. Every time I tried to move on to wars and rumors of wars, I kept coming back to deception because my heart aches for people who are deceived, for people who are duped, fooled, misled. So God, if there's anybody in here who's deceived about their own salvation, please, please, let them get it right today. Show them the error of their way. Point them in the right direction. Show them that faith in Jesus is the only way. Please. Please. And for those of us here that are saved, keep us on the right track. Help us to have discernment, judgment, to know what's right and what's wrong. To be awake and to see how Satan is working in our world. And how he's deceiving. And if he can deceive the angels, if he can deceive Eve, if he can deceive Judas, who's right there in the mix with the 12 disciples, then he could pull us. So we need to take heed. We need to be aware. Help us to see. Help us to be strong. Help us to be serious. Please help us. That as the world falls more deep into deception, that we would stand stronger on the truth. Please, don't let us be fooled. Don't let me be deceived and don't let me deceive anyone. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.